This is 680 CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. It's a new month and it means it's time for the June Movie Preview. You think you can fix me? Jean, you are not broken. Mind is a fragile thing. Takes only the slightest tap to tip it in the wrong direction. Charles, what did you do? I had to keep her stable. I protected her. From the truth? There's another word for that. The first movie we'll look at for the month of June is the latest X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix, based on one of the most beloved storylines in comic book history. The X-Men must face their most formidable and powerful foe, one of their own. I came looking for answers. You feel like you don't belong here. You don't. They can't begin to comprehend looking for answers. You came here looking for permission. Gene. The Dark Phoenix storyline was sort of adapted for the big screen in 2006's X-Men The Last Stand. When Vomka Jensen played the character in question, Jean Grey, the adapted storyline was not well received, nor was the movie. Although I will go on record as saying I didn't mind that movie. In this new one, Jean Grey is played once again by Sophie Turner, reprising the role from 2016's X-Men Apocalypse, which by the way, sucked. Sophie Turner, by the way, best known as Sansa Stark from Game of Thrones. Jean Grey has telepathic and telekinetic abilities, and in this movie and in the comics, she is nearly killed during a rescue mission in space when she is hit by a mysterious cosmic force. When she goes home, this cosmic force makes her super powerful, but it also makes her darker. She's all rage. It's all coming out at once. Jean lost control, but she's still our friend. This is your fault, Charles. The world is on the brink. I'm sorry, I didn't stop it sooner. You're always sorry, Charles, and there's always a speech, and nobody cares. It's funny when you look at the cast to see how the star power involved has changed. When X-Men First Class debuted in 2011, the likes of Jennifer Lawrence, James McAvoy, and Michael Fassbender were all just up-and-comers. Now they are all bona fide stars, and the supporting cast is nothing to sneeze at either. Jessica Chastain, Nicholas Holt, Evan Peters, Olivia Munn, to name a few. I have high hopes for this film, but it's had a bunch of reshoots and many test screenings have proven to be massive failures over the last year as they worked on this film, and that's never a good sign. No Rotten Tomato score, as of Tuesday, by the way, the day we recorded this episode. They're right to fear me. I've seen evil. And I'm looking at it now. Also new this weekend, The Secret Life of Pets 2. You've been so stressed lately, but this vet is going to help you. 
He specializes in behavioral disorders. But I don't have a behavioral disorder. Yeah, I'm fine, too. <laughs> it's my human that's nuts. I mean, you know, I, I bring her a dead bird. She throws it out. It's nothing I do good enough for you, mother! <laughs> the pets are back, getting into fun and adventure when no one else is watching. Someone's in my litter box. Guys, they're real freaks! Oh... It's from Illumination Studios, which also brought us the Despicable Me and Minions movies and some of the Dr. Seuss animated fare, like the Lorax and recently the Grinch. Pets 1 came out in 2016 and made $875 million worldwide, scored a 73 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's more successful than I would have guessed, so it's sequel time. Ah! Oh, oh, it's just this weird little guy. Ow! Also, also new this weekend, Mindy Kaling writes and stars in Late Night. I've spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly because you tread on my dreams. Late Night also stars Emma Thompson as a late night talk show host like Letterman or Conan. That's right, I'm referencing the old ones I like to watch. And she's a bit of a monster. I'm in a single-income household, and Jen and I just had our second baby. I think it's time for a raise. I can't give you a raise, Gabe. It's like giving a raise to a drug addict. My child's like a drug problem. You're fired. You're fired, obviously. Oh, you must be McCreary. Oh, wow. You're fired. Enter new writer Mindy Kaling. Who are you? I'm Molly. I'm a new writer. You want to sit down? Okay. That's for metal sets. Could you sit down, please? Oh, I'll just use uh, this trash can. There's, you know, there's hardly any trash in it at all. Oh, it's kind of comfortable, better than a chair. The thrust of the story is that Thompson is getting to be a has-been, and the network is thinking of replacing her. And Kayling's here to save the day as she brings a fresh perspective to a writer's room that is otherwise 15 white guys. What exactly is wrong with my bits? You're a little old and a little white. What can I do about that? I have some jokes for the monologue. I shouldn't do this in an English accent, should I? No. Watch me! This is your show. It's an expression of who you are. How would you describe Molly? She said I was the vibrant splash of color on the gray canvas of our writing staff. I mean, <laughs> Looks pretty good. Not sure I'd need to see it in a theater, though. But if you're a diehard Mindy Kaling or Emma Thompson fan, it might be for you. I need you, Molly. I need your pushiness and lack of boundaries. You love me. No, I didn't say that. I, no. I mean, not in those words, but you... No, I didn't say it in any of those words. What? Moving to the 14th, it's the return of a franchise, but with all new players. It took me 20 years to find you. How many people can say that? You are the best kept secret in the universe. And I found you. Which makes me perfect for this job. It's Men in Black International. No Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, or Josh Brolin this time. It's a new batch of characters led by Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, which makes for a weird Thor Ragnarok reunion. Uh, they're the hotshot young bucks, and the elder statesmen this time around are Emma Thompson, good month for her, and Liam Neeson, who I'm guessing dies about 20 minutes in. We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. Time to prove yourself, Agent M. We may have a problem in London. 
Welcome to MIB. Move it on, loser! You will be with Agent H, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Perfect. Tuesday's taco day. There were three previous Men in Black movies, the original in 97, followed by sequels in 2002 and 2012. All very successful. Wouldn't have thought that third one was, but it was actually the most successful with over $600 million in worldwide box office. Those were all set in America. This one is set in London, hence the international subtitle. I would expect Will Smith to make a cameo, unless something happened to his character in a previous film that I don't remember. We are the Men in Black. Looks like the tables have turned. That was an incredible catch. Up next, Samuel L. Jackson stars in a sequel that I didn't even know it was coming until about a month ago when I saw the poster in the movie theater. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're doing the June movie preview this week. And on the 14th, Shaft is back. John Shaft, please tell me that you did not get our son involved in your bull. I need your help for a case. I knew this day would come. What is wrong with you? This is street, son. Too much stuff coming through the. Too much stuff run through the. Who you gonna call us a shootout? Black man looking for a way out. Let us shut your mouth. Hey, mom. Hey, baby. You will not believe who I've been hanging out with. This is a new movie, and it's called Shaft, which is ridiculous, as there were already two movies, two Shaft movies called Shaft, and there are only five Shaft movies in total. There's an original trilogy, and then two reboots, each named Shaft. It's just dumb. This one is about grandson of Shaft, son of Shaft Jr. Jesse T. Usher plays John Shaft III, a cybersecurity expert investigating a friend's death with a little help from his family. Sam Jackson reprises his role as Shaft II from the sequel back in 2000, and original Shaft Richard Roundtree also appears. I don't cause problems. I solve. Chef. John Chef. Ignore him. He thinks he's a black James Bond. That dude was real. He think he was me. Shaft. Can you dig it? Rated R. I don't know why they can't come up with a new like Shaft the Third. How hard is that? Great title. Tells you exactly what movie it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Shaft the Third. Sounds cool. Anyways, also on the 14th, indie movie god Jim Jarmusch has a horror comedy with an A-list cast called The Dead Don't Die. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Steve Buscemi, Selena Gomez, Danny Glover, Chloe Sevigny, the RZA, Carol Kane, and many more play an assortment of humans and or zombies in a small town. What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. I've seen a few Jim Jarmusch movies and I really like them. Not sure about this though because of my aversion to the gore. Might not be too bad in that department though. Aside from that, it looks terrific and Adam Driver is quickly growing into one of my favorite actors. Flesh eating zombies. Don't joke, it's really, really creepy. Ah, ow, I... 
Oh man, this isn't gonna end well. When I was a boy, I thought a they gravitate towards things they did when they were alive. Called Chardonnay. Did she just say Chardonnay? Yeah, she did. On June 21st, a big one from Disney Pixar. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh, Hi. Hello. Hi. Ah. He's a spool. Yes, yeah, I know. It's Toy Story 4. First off, can you believe it's been 24 years since that first one? 1995. Also, that's the year I graduated from high school, so now I feel really old. Toy Story 2 arrived in 1999, 3 arrived in 2010, and was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And now we have Toy Story 4, which sees our toys with a new child, as we saw in Toy Story 3, passing from Andy to Bonnie. And Bonnie has a new toy, Forky! She made him out of a spork. Forky is the most important toy to Bonnie right now. We all have to make sure nothing happens to him. Woody, we have a situation. I am not a toy. I was made for soup, salad, maybe chili, and then the trash. Buzz, we've got to get Forky. Affirmative. Why am I alive? You're Bonnie's toy. You are going to help create happy memories that will last for the rest of her life. Huh? What? So Forky is voiced by Tony Hale from Arrested Development. He was also in Veep, wasn't he? Oh yes. You won an Emmy for that. The rest of the main cast is back. Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, etc. Annie Potts is along for the ride as Bo Peep, a long-lost toy friend of Woody's. What are you doing here? No time to explain. Come with me. We need to get back to our kid. Aw, Sheriff Woody, always coming to the rescue. Bonnie needs Forky. Woody, who needs a kid's room when you can have all of this? Wow. Woody, aren't we going to Bonnie? Seems Bo Peep now lives at an amusement park, and Woody is questioning what life he wants. These movies are always amazing. I've no doubt Toy Story 4 will be anything less, and it's worth pointing out, Jeff Braun, that Keanu Reeves is the voice of Duke Kaboom. New from Maple Leaf Toys. Who's a Canuck with all the luck? Now you can bring home Duke Kaboom. Who's the most spectacular daredevil Canada has ever seen? Are you kidding? It's a commercial. It's not real. I can't jump that far. Oh, yeah. Huh, yes. Huh? He's posing. I have a question. Well, actually, not just one. I have all of them. I have all the questions. Kaboom. Rated G. Are you going to go see it now because Keanu's in it? I was going to go see it anyways, but now I'm definitely going to go see it. Although, oddly enough, one I probably won't go see on the 21st, Luke Besson's new action movie, Anna, which looks like a John Wick clone. What was the nature of your relationship with Oleg Filinkov? You entered his hotel at 1.37 p.m. Did you notice anything suspicious? Like what? Can't you look at the hotel security cameras? Tapes were raised. It's like we're dealing with pros. 
Little does he know, she's the pro. She's Anna, the assassin, played by model Sasha Luss in what appears to be her first starring role. Looks like she has a lot of cool action moves. The trailer is mostly the scene in question, the missing footage from the tapes, which is basically her single-handedly ruining a hotel restaurant, killing several dozen henchmen in the process, many of whom she dispatches with a plate, or pieces of a plate. The movie also stars Helen Mirren and Killian Murphy. I'd never count out a Luke Besson movie, but he does have as many misses as hits. I think. Your next target is in Paris. There'll be no backup. Any questions? Which room? What do you want most in the world? Hi. What's your name? As the Couch Potatoes June movie preview continues in a moment, I suspect Jeff Braun's just going to leave for the next five minutes because the next two movies are about children's dolls who want to murder you. No thanks. You don't want to buy tickets for either of those? No. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. We're doing our June movie preview. We are on to June 21st, where there's one more to tell you about. A horror classic gets a reboot. Child's Play. Hi. Are you my best buddy? Best buddy? I think Chucky did something. And if you know something... You better tell me. Something's wrong with Chucky. Chucky is a toy. Chucky, did you do this? He's trying to kill us! It's been over 30 years since the first Child's Play debuted about a talking good guys doll named Chucky. Did you see it, Jeff Braun, the original? Never. My sister had that good, uh, my buddy doll that looked just like Chucky, and it terrified me. Oh, boy. Well, it turns out that doll, Chucky, was possessed and went on a murderous rampage. It should have been stupid, the movie, but it was scary, and it was fun, and it spawned a bunch of sequels, which did become exceedingly stupid. And there's even going to be a television show, still with Brad Dourif as the voice of Chucky. But for this new one, Mark Hamill is the voice of Chucky. Not really much else to tell you here. It's about a creepy doll that kills people with a big knife. Hey, speaking of creepy dolls that want to kill you, look at what's out on June 28th. We think it best the doll come with us. We'll keep it somewhere safe. Parents, like, keep any creepy stuff around. and keep it all locked away in a room. It's not really good for anyone to go in there. She got out. She's a beacon for other spirits. Annabelle comes home. The next chapter in the Conjuring universe. Experience it in IMAX. That's right. It's the Conjuring universe because you can't just have a franchise now. You need to have a cinematic universe. In 2013, there was The Conjuring, based on the real-life paranormal investigators Lorraine and Edward Warren. That movie was scary, and it was excellent. It was a huge hit. And it started with a creepy doll, possessed by something evil. That doll was really only meant to introduce us to the world we were entering in The Conjuring, but it made such an impression that it got a movie of its own, a prequel, in 2014. And that prequel was just 
Okay. Then we got The Conjuring 2 in 2016. It too was excellent. And then we got Annabelle Creation, which was a prequel to the prequel. And I really didn't care for that one. 2018, we got The Nun, which was a spinoff slash prequel to The Conjuring 2. And that movie was just kind of okay. And now in 2019, it's the sequel to the prequel. But it's still a prequel to The Conjuring, (laughs) if that makes sense, as we now have our first non-Conjuring movie in the Conjuring universe that actually directly involves characters from The Conjuring, because this is the movie that shows the Warrens take Annabelle into their possession as it leads to back full circle to that first movie and how that doll proceeds to wreak havoc on their lives. The first two Annabelle movies were middling at best, but with Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson back for the ride, this is basically a third Conjuring movie, so I'm hoping that it's better. But it could just be the appetizer until we get to The Conjuring 3, whenever that is. I should look that up right now. All right, also on the 28th, the last one on our list, actually, it's a high-concept movie called Yesterday. Until a month ago, you were a complete failure. But now, you're the biggest star in the world, as if by magic. How did you get here? Do you genuinely not know who the Beatles are? Who? Oh, yeah! How am I the only person in the world who remembers the Beatles? Can I do this? Mr. Jack Maddock! Your music is incredible. I've dreamed of being a musician, but I feel like I'm living a lie. What's this one called? Uh, Leave it be. Let it be. Rock on, Jack! From director Danny Boyle, yesterday finds a struggling musician, played by Hamish Patel, waking up in an alternate timeline or universe where everything is identical to the world he knows, the world we know, except that the Beatles never existed. So he, quote-unquote, writes all the Beatles songs and becomes hugely popular, as you would. It's a hilarious premise, the sort of thing that gets mentions or little gags in a lot of time travel movies. Hot Tub Time Machine did it. But Boyle's decided to make a whole movie of it, and Boyle's good at making movies like Train Spotting, which won him critical praise, and he's good at making movies based on unique premises like Slumdog Millionaire, which won him an Oscar. So yesterday should be an interesting ride. And thus concludes the June movie preview. Anything you're excited about? Not particularly. And there's not a lot of big, giant blockbusters on the docket there either. Maybe The Dark Phoenix and Pets 2 this weekend. Other than that, it's basically Men in Black International and Toy Story 4 will obviously be the biggest of the whole month, I would assume. Yeah, Toy Story 4 is going to be huge. But isn't it weird that there's not more blockbusters lined up to... I mean, I guess they're... they're boot out so many of them in April and May now that June is kind of cool. And the rest of the summer doesn't have a whole lot either. I mean, The Lion King's going to be a deal. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Tarantino movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but that won't be a big deal. There's also Hobbs and Shaw and something I scribbled down here that I can't even read. <laughs> Starts with an S. Can I Spider-Man. see? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far from so home. So that'll still be a big deal, obviously. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a big one. And this Dark Phoenix, boy. No, if they don't, I'm not if, even going. I'm done. You're X- finished? I'm done with the X-Men movies. I missed uh, the Wolverine. Yeah. Whichever the one was where he went to Asia. The Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. That's, I've skipped that one. I've seen the rest of the That was theaters. actually pretty good. Logan I liked. Uh, like you said, Apocalypse was terrible. Most of these reboot. First Class was okay. Days of Future Past wasn't nothing special. And Last Stand I didn't like. And most of the Wolverine ones, I didn't, the ones I did see weren't great. So Yeah. For, well, the Disney slash Fox 
is actually probably hoping that this movie will tank just yeah. so they can essentially wipe the map. Just wipe it clean and yep. start over now that Disney owns the rights. Absolutely. Start, and like, maybe, hopefully in the Spider-Man movie, I'd be thrilled if uh, somebody new cast as Wolverine would just show up in it unannounced. Oh. That'd be the greatest cameo they could possibly do. Yeah. It's like, what's your name? Logan, blah, 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 and then nice come out or something. What's coming to home video this uh, week? Well, speaking of Spider-Man, something from the Marvel Universe on Blu-ray on June 11th. It's Captain Marvel. Got to show these boys how we do it. You ready? Higher, further, faster, baby. Yes, baby. Higher. Further. Faster. Higher. Higher. Faster. Try to keep up. Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. It's not the best Marvel movie, but it actually, I thought it was quite a bit of fun. I, I really enjoyed the 90s of it all. Up next on the Couch Potatoes, it's Batman versus Jason Bourne. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. A few odds and ends now. A new trailer came out this week that has a lot of people excited, including me. It's called Ford versus Ferrari. Carol Shelby. Maybe. Lee I. Coke. Ford Motor. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What well, about speed? You need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. No. Whatever it is, Shell, no. Trust me. The plot to Ford versus Ferrari on IMDb is described thusly. American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. Matt Damon is Shelby, Christian Bale is Miles, John Brunthal is Lee Iacocca, and my man Tracy Letts is Henry Ford II. It's directed by James Mangold, who directed, among other movies, Logan, uh, Walk the Line, and Copland, those are three of his best, probably. Uh, this thing rolls into theaters November 15th. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? Fucking try. We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. We're gonna make history. You ready? I was born ready, Mr. Shelby. Hit it. <laughs> the first look we got of this thing was uh, during the one of the basketball games, one of the finals games. They rolled out like a minute long, like a half version of the trailer kind of thing. Okay. And I was looking, I'm following on my Twitter, just went nuts. All these nerds I know, they're just like, oh my God, a, a movie for grownups. This looks so, ex- we're so excited. This looks so good. So there, there's that. It's People are excited. It looks like a fun movie that 
isn't a superhero movie, I guess. Well, I will admit when I, one of my colleagues was asking if I watched it and I said no. And when I saw you were doing this, I, I wasn't excited. But just listening to that trailer, I was electrified listening to that. It Looks just sounds cool. like a classic David versus Goliath. It's got a great cast. Yeah. Uh, the performances just sounded great. Like that was Christian Bale, presume, in the, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who was the giddy driver, yep. marveling over what he had just driven. So, yeah, that sounds good. Man. November 15th it comes out, which sort of that puts it in that means that they think this thing could win awards too obviously other they put it out at a different time. Mm, that's right, but they're not too confidently. They're, they're, they're not they're being not, overconfident. They're putting no, no. it out in November, not December, yeah. say 22nd or something or like Christmas that. Christmas Day or something like that, yeah. which is probably all booked up at this point anyways. No kidding. Hey, I, this week on Netflix, and I, I've mentioned it recently, but I watched season two of one of my favorite shows ever. It's an Icelandic show, which is why you won't be able to understand this clip from Trapped. Well, I shouldn't assume you won't be able to understand it. I mean, I don't know where you're from, or I don't know where you grew up, but... Four titles on my to-watch list, and Trapped is one of them. Really? Yeah. It's an excellent show. If If you haven't heard me talk about this before, I'll just give you the quick sort of recap. So I believe the first season came out in 2015. I didn't hear about it until... I want to say 2017. I think I watched it in 20 early 2017 and it takes place in this tiny little town in Iceland in a fjord and it's a murder mystery as they find this body in the water just as a ferry is coming in from Denmark and just as a blizzard is rolling in and is about to trap everybody in the town including they suspect a murderer and it's claustrophobic it's beautiful the the cinematography in that show was tremendous not just because of the natural beauty of iceland but they take full advantage of it in the way that they frame their shots and it has that kind of nordic noir i think is the format the scandinavian ish part of the region they're kicking out all these great sort of dark murder mysteries yeah and it was just wonderful it was wonderful i loved it so much i watched it a couple of times actually it was one of the rare shows that i went back and watched a second time because usually i watch a show and i want to go back but i've got so many other things going on other shows to watch but i made sure to go back and watch and i think it also just helped to go back and watch because it's because it's in icelandic for the most part like 95 percent of it is icelandic and then there's the, the occasional uh English that is spoken because they have characters from so many different places in the world there. Hmm. But it almost demands to be watched again because you have to pay complete attention to it, right? Like you, if you find yourself playing on your phone uh, for 30 seconds, even you can look up and you go, I have no idea what just happened for the last 30 <laughs> seconds because I don't speak Icelandic. So I have to go back. So season two, and here's another clip just for fun. I just like listening to their language. It's, it's musical. I think I once heard, uh, once read a review of the first season where critics said listening to people speak Icelandic, it's like listening to someone blow bubbles. Uh, it just has no. that kind of... It's, it's going to musical quality. Too. Yeah, it's just it's a wonderful language to listen to. I just It's so much fun. But the, the second season, it... It, there is a murder mystery component, but it actually starts off uh, with an assault. I'll just call it that because I don't really want to spoil it if you watch it. But 
what really struck me about this show was how they weaved in so many different topics, that, like topics that are relevant and real world in a way that wasn't jarring or preachy and in a way where it didn't feel like they were just shoehorning it in. Like it all fit and served the story, but it also provided like some really serious commentary on kind of the crappy state that our world is in. So you've got the mystery at the front, at the top, it's a crime show, but they managed to fit in things like homophobia, racism, terrorism, environmentalism, migrant workers, culture problems, of migrant workers as they clash with different cultures. Uh, there's, of course, just regular dysfunctional family dynamics. There's economic uncertainty. You know, Iceland uh, is a country that sounds like it's essentially overrun by tourists. Uh, like, the population of the country is is smaller than the number of tourists. Really? That's at least what I gleaned from the show. Yeah. I didn't look it up. I don't really care that much. Um, but it was just, it was amazing. The cast is all back. The, on the, I won't try to name the actors, but the, the main cop, Andre, as he's called, he's this big, he's like a bear. He's a huge woolly man with a huge beard, and he's like a like a sex symbol over in Iceland since that first show. He actually was in the first season of True Detective. Really? He had a cameo where he was this big biker dude talking to Matthew McConaughey, and he said, there's a shadow on your soul. If I ever see you here again, I'll kill you. Oh. <laughs> Something like that. Um but it's just so not it, the same character. No, it's not a, a cinematic universe unto itself. <laughs> no, it's it's trapped and true to tech. No, but listen, it was this show. It was great, and I could not stop watching it. I ended up staying up all night one night watching it because I just couldn't stop going. The story was tremendous. Uh, someone asked me if it's better than the first one. I don't know that I can make the comparison yet. I think that first one was better in the sense that it was just such a surprise. Right. But I think I was equally surprised by how good season two was and the way that they didn't feel this need to go bigger. They just they told a, neat, a story with the same number of moving parts. Uh, it just was an excellent story. So highly, highly recommend season two of Trapped on Netflix. How many episodes? Ten. Each? Ten episodes each. That's yeah. pretty good. You could get and through that like in a an weekend. Hour, an hour. Each episode's about an hour? Yeah. Cool. So that's an awesome show that you should check out. And that's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. This is 680 CJOB.